Yeah, it's, uh, it's been a couple of weeks since I've been up here. I'm like, I feel like I'm out of practice. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm the guest speaker. I'm kind of like Haley's comment. I just let, you know, come by on some inconsistent basis. Oh, um, over the course of the summer, I've kind of, we've been talking about stewardship. I've showed the video, the various vis- videos and um, trying to give us all like two, two sides, I guess, two sides of the picture that the kingdom of God right now on the earth, what it's doing and what I was hoping those videos would show is on the macro side. There are incredible things that God is doing on the planet. Um, and for those who like to paint the church in a, you know, in a dark light and that she's done, she's washed up, um, for those that are, are um, especially in this country that seem to be wanting to celebrate the funeral of the church, I think you're a little over-optimistic. But just remember, every time you put one of us in the grave, we pop back up. The leader of this tribe started that. And so oftentimes when the church is counted out and our, better, our best days are behind us and, and however they paint that picture, there is always this, this place, there is a season where a seed falls into the ground and dies. But out of that dying is the resurrection. And we, the church, the body of Christ, we live from a place of resurrection. Because Christ has already done the work of the crucifixion. And when he was crucified, I was crucified with him. I've already passed through those waters. And I've been brought out into this place of resurrection. And so what we're seeing and what I was hoping you would see through those videos is on There's incredible organizations and people that are doing incredible things across the planet that is actually making a change in the world that are bringing justice into the world. There are, you know, and in any place when you're pushing against darkness, when you're the one that's been given the task of pioneering something, in the pioneering, there is always the push and there's always that place if I could use these terms and not scare you too bad, but there's always that place of suffering. There is a place where we start identifying with the death of Christ because we know that in that identifying, I'm also releasing something on the earth that has not been here before. And so the powers of darkness, um, and, and I, don't, I, I don't know that I can... I can demonstrate this to you biblically so you can do what you want with it. It's just kind of the way in my mind I see things. At the time that Christ came, the powers of darkness that ruled the earth ruled the earth. So Christ came, one seed being dropped into the ground, releasing leaven that was the leaven of the kingdom that from the resurrection and the ascension up into this very second has been at work in the earth, that the domains of darkness that were this big, I don't know just how big they are presently, but they're, they're a lot smaller. And so, yes, there's pockets of darkness. There's people that give their hearts completely towards darkness and run in that direction. There, there are the powers of darkness that are at work, but 
the church and the light of Christ is expanding on the earth. The church is expanding. Yeah, we have our high points. We've had our low points. But even in those, it's, the highs and the lows aren't because God was with us in a high point and God left us in a low point. They were just the places where we are being corrected, we are being pruned, and we are being taught to be the stewards of the kingdom of God that's being released on the earth, and we continue to be salt and light until Christ returns. Why do you keep shutting off? So, that's, that's kind of what I've been hoping to demonstrate over, over pretty much this summer as, um, as we have been going through this on stewardship. So, what, what I want to do today, it's actually kind of a, um, maybe, maybe we could call it a review. I know most, I feel like I'm definitely preaching to the choir this morning but you know, sometimes it's it's important to hear things over again that we know well. It surprises me how when somebody begins to share something that I feel pretty confident I have a handle on it, there's still nuggets that I had not thought of that I get out of it that I'm like, wow, I'm going to have to think on that for a while. So, um, this morning I wanted to do kind of a a run-through on the fruit of the Spirit. Because if we're going to talk about stewardship, which I've been talking about all summer, stewardship is more than just my, how I handle my finances. Now, a lot of what I've talked about has centered on finances. But in, in stewardship, I've been called to steward the kingdom of God that's within me. Now, part of that is how I handle my finances, which we've talked about. But I'm also required to just be stewarding me. How am, how am I living? How am I walking? How am I acting? How am I talking? Uh, you know, as I, I think I heard Bill Johnson say this like many, many years ago, um, but it, it was one of those nuggets that just kind of caught me, and it brought me to this place where, where Bill said, if he was the one that said it, that <clears throat> my ability to exercise self-control isn't how much I self-control I exhibit when I'm in the midst of other people. My ability to maintain self-control is when I'm by myself. The way I do things will be much different if I'm by myself than I do in public if I don't steward self-control the way I should be. And so, of course, we know that fruit of, in the fruit of the Spirit, one of those is self-control. And the other thing, with the fruit of the Spirit, when we talk about this, this is also um, a, uh, it's been a lifestyle that the church has manifest from the apostles to the early church to the early church fathers. And the fruit of the Spirit still is something that's continually shaping how the church works its work within the earth to release the kingdom of God. So it, you know, there, you know, if we, and we'll read it in a bit, and we're going to be in Galatians 5, of course, verse 16, but the, 
when we look at how, do, how does the church work in the world today, and in this, the videos I showed, that all dealt with how the church is working in the world. Things that I'm, I'm doing now deal with how the church is working in the world. Um, those, how we do that is all really predicated out of the fruit of the Spirit. I mean, that's where we're, when we look at a situation and we, we see injustice, and we're trying to sort out what, how does that injustice get dealt with, it's the fruit of the Spirit that we're really relying on to give me the anchor for how do I even address this situation, right? So we, we can't fully embrace a life centered on stewarding the kingdom of God within us without giving our hearts to the maturing of the fruit of the Spirit that's working in us. I have to be allowing the fruit of the Spirit to be working in my life. You know, and the other thing that for me, again, is kind of the way my brain works, but life is not intended to be compartmentalized into various habits and desires, but it's a flow from who I was in my control of life to who I am as a new creation in Christ. And it's not compartmentalized. It's not like, okay, so coming into, you know, you know, the whole thing of, well, I'm going to have a New Year's res res resolution. I almost said revolution, and maybe that's what I should have. It's a New Year's revolution. But oftentimes, we, we compartmentalize things. Well, I have this habit I'm working on. And once I master this habit, now I'm going to take this on, and I'm going to master that. And, and, and so we compartmentalize things. But life isn't designed to be lived in these compartments. Life is designed to be lived as a continuum, and in that continuum, I should be in a place of increasing abundant life and a place in diminishing self-control life. They should be happening simultaneously. If I'm going to actually walk into some, some new place in God, this new place where he's revealing to me, this new place where I'm experiencing his love, his grace, whatever is happening, if I'm stepping into that place, simultaneously I'm stepping out of a place that's a shadow of who I once was until I'm fully conformed to Christ. And I, I don't... I, I, I'm, I'm not one that holds too much to the whole idea of, you know, he needs to, you know, I need to decrease so he can increase. I don't see it that way. It's not uh, increasing, decreasing. It's transformation. De increasing, decreasing has this kind of linear feel to it. And, and it also is, I think, in a much more compartmentalized way of thinking. Okay, I'm going to decrease over here. I hope he increases over here. And that brings us to a place where I will order my life in a self-discipline. Now, there are, there are places where there is self-discipline. If I'm going to exercise multiple times a week, which I try to do, I do have to have the self-discipline to get out of bed and go down the basement and work on the weight machine. I, 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 I haven't really prayed for this, so maybe that's why it hasn't happened, but I have yet to have an angel come by my bed and go, hey, Bob, just sleep in today. I took care of it 30 minutes. I just did 30 minutes on your machine for you. <laughs> 
Yeah, man, I mean, that would be a program everybody would sign up for. But it actually involves me dragging my hide out of bed at 6 o'clock in the morning and going downstairs and setting up the machine and doing it. So there are, you know, if we, if we want to paint this picture that to be a believer, to be a Christ follower is this place, especially those of us that travel in charismatic circles, Pentecostal circles, where the Holy Spirit is just going to show up and bam, I'm Mr. Atlas. That's not how it works. That's not what Jesus talked about. If I'm going to be a disciple, a disciple is someone that's learning and growing in a discipline, and the discipline that I'm learning and growing in is Christ himself. It's not the rules or the regulations. So I'm learning to think and live in a new way. A way of agape love, not of self-elevating love. Uh, and I'm also, I've been on an iPad for years, and mine has died, and so I'm back to this new machine, and I'm still getting used to it. Uh, anyway, Joyce Myers has said, love and self-control are the bookends of the fruit of the Spirit. Remove one of them and the rest fall over. So if love and self-control are the bookends and all the other fruit of the Spirit are in between, then that, that's, a, a, I think, a really important picture of how my life is ordered by the Holy Spirit. So let's, let's jump into Galatians 5. And... I'm reading this one out of this morning out of the Passion. Galatians 5, 16 to 26. As you yield freely and fully to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life. For your self-life craves the things that offend the Spirit and hinder him from living free within you. And the Holy Spirit's intense cravings hinder you, hinder your old self-life from dominating you. So then, two incompatible and conflicting forces within you are your self-life of the flesh and the new creation life of the Spirit. <clears throat> but when you are brought into the full freedom of the Spirit of grace, you will no longer be living under the domination of the law, but soaring above it. The cravings of the self-life are obvious. Sexual immorality, lustful thoughts, pornography, chasing after things instead of God, manipulating others, hatred of those who get in your way, senseless arguments, resentment from others, resentment when others are favored, temper tantrums, angry quarrels, only thinking of yourself, being in love with your own opinions, being envious of the blessings of others, murder, uncontrolled addictions, wild parties, and all other similar behavior. Haven't I already warned you that those who use their freedom for these things will not inherit the kingdom realm of God? <clears throat> 
But the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its varied expressions. So there's the first book in. Joy that overflows. Peace that subdues. Patience that endures. Kindness in action. A life full of virtue. Faith that prevails. Gentleness of heart and strength of spirit. Never set the law above these qualities, for they are meant to be limitless. Keep in your mind that we who belong to Jesus, the anointed one, have already experienced crucifixion. For everyone connected with our, for everything connected with our own self-life was put to death on the cross and crucified with Messiah. We must live in the Holy Spirit and follow after him. So may we never be arrogant or look down on another, for each of us is an original. We must forsake all jealousy that diminishes the values of others. I just like the way that reads in, in the Passion. And in verse 21, it says that, you know, when we choose self-life, we sacrifice the realm of the kingdom life that we are intended to experience. In my early years, when I was given, you know, this verse was first shared with me, and then when I first held on to it, as, you know, I got to, you know, because the, the way the fruit of the Spirit was, um, was presented, it was basically presented as the fruits of the Spirit, and so they were all individual and, in a sense, disconnected from others. And that it was my obligation as a Christ follower, as a new, new believer, that I had to get all these things worked out. And, um, and if you didn't, then you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. So, sorry, you don't get to go to heaven. But I think that's what Paul's talking about. This isn't a, this isn't a verse or a group of verses that's talking about the qualifications of salvation. It's talking about what happens when, as, as the Passion says it, when my self-life is dominating or when I'm actually yielding my heart to walk in the Spirit and then be part of what the Spirit of God is doing. And it's not, it's not individual fruits. It is the fruit of the Spirit. They are all being worked on at the same time within us. It's not, okay, you know, it took me two years to get love worked out. Now, you know, now I'm working on peace. I, I think it's going to take me a good grief. It could take me two more years to get through peace. You know, that's not the way it is. The Spirit that's within me is conforming me to the image of Christ and developing in me the mind of Christ. This is all happening at the same time. I, it, it's, and uh, I'll, there's a quote. Um, well, I'll wait before I get there because I think this quote was, is really good. But. So what happens when it's not a matter of salvation, but it is a matter that if I choose self-life and, and I don't yield to the Spirit, that does sacrifice in me uh, the realm of the kingdom of God that's intended for all of us to experience. Because Yahweh will not partner with my choice of self-elevating internal focus or outward lifestyles that are contrary to what he intends. He's a good father. A good father 
doesn't just say nothing about bad behavior. I mean, it, it, you know, as Paul says in another place, if, if we're not disciplined, then we're not children. Right. And, you know, we, we can picture, you know, and, and I've pictured at different times in my life where God is kind of this hard taskmaster, but he's not a hard taskmaster. He's a loving father that comes with correct discipline that's meted out in, in the right way that if I'll give my heart to him is designed to lead me to a place of better abundant life not diminish from me the, the, the enjoyment of life and so forth. You know, it's, um, you know, it's this, this, that when we paint this picture that, oh, man, if I'm going to be a believer, if I'm going to follow Jesus, then that just means I just don't get to do anything I really want to do in life, which is nonsense. I've followed Christ now for 50 years, as you all know. I'm enjoying life. I don't know how I could hardly enjoy it any better. <laughs> it hasn't taken, yeah, <laughs> more's to come, I know, I'm still here. Um, and even if I'm not here, it's already gotten better. So, I mean, I'm just on a winning trajectory here. But, uh, but it's not that God, you know, pulls away and somehow doesn't want us to do anything that we want to do. But talk to the person who's overindulged in just about anything the morning after they overindulged. <laughs> Don't talk to them while they're overindulging because I think it's the best ride they've ever been on. Check with them in the morning. And depending on how late they indulge, the earlier you check, the better the answer you're going to get. Their lifestyle hasn't, isn't leading them to an abundant life even when they try to convince themselves that it is. So yielding to the development of the fruit of the Spirit, it aligns me with the heaven-to-earth resources that are intended by Christ for each of us in the Spirit. Every time I'm yielding, my soul is aligning with the heaven-to-earth process of the kingdom of God coming. And my capacity to walk in that increases over life as I yield and as I learn the, the benefit of yielding, that alignment continually to brings resources. Um, and again, this, by, just by way of example, and I'm not, I'm, not, um, I'm not saying this is how it should be for everybody. I don't even know if this is how it will be for me in six months. But one of the things that I've come to realize in the last probably four or five years anyway as, as, this, as the, the understanding of the providence of God has become more alive in me, I find myself in places where there are certain things that are going on, certain needs, I'm, I'm waiting for certain things to be fulfilled, and, and you know, you're, you're kind of in that place of it hasn't quite happened yet, I don't know when it's going to happen, there's always the possibility that it won't happen, and you live in that, you live in that tension of that environment, on another day, I would have been actively talking to a bunch of people about make sure you pray for me. I mean, be praying. Oh, man, I don't know what's going to happen. I would, have, I would have really engaged people in praying for whatever it was I was waiting to see unfold. And I'm not saying that's the wrong thing to do for anybody. I'm just saying at this station, what I find is 
my understanding of the providence of God and my rest in his providence, I find myself going, I should probably tell people to pray about this. And I'm like, nah, it's good. Now, when I say it's good, it doesn't mean that I'm, you know, walking in totally the absence of any, any stress or any, any sense of what happens if it doesn't happen. I'm not, you know, that's still there. But the, the presence of his providence in my understanding is greater than any place where doubt uh, would, would, would come in. And, and so it's like I find myself, so in this season that I'm in, uh, and it's not complete yet, but prayer is being totally redefined for me to the point that some days, I, and, and I've had this conversation with, with several, but it's like I'm not sure that I know how to pray right now. And you go, what do you mean you don't know how to pray? You've been a Christian for 50 years. You should know how to pray by now. I'm not saying I can't pray, and if I'm called upon to pray, I'm not saying I won't do that. I, you know, I, this isn't an anti-prayer. I am just saying where I am, my understanding of prayer has been so turned upside down that it leaves me in this temporary place of, I don't know that I know how to pray. But the joy of that is... I'm finally teachable again about prayer. Because I thought I had prayer all wrapped up. I mean, it seemed pretty simple to me. You just pray without ceasing. You just pray for everything. You, you, know, you, you send desperate prayers multiple times a day because that's faith. And I just find myself going, ah, no, nah. Can't, can't, really, can't really get aligned with that. But what I am aligned with is my Father's providence is so incredibly amazing and Holy Spirit's ability to direct my steps into the right place at the right time to get the right piece of providence is so amazing to me at this point that I'm almost, and again, don't make this a blanket statement, I'm almost fearful to put a demand on what I think ought to happen because I'm so excited about what he's about to do that I don't think he needs my opinion or my instruction. But please, everybody in the room, continue to pray. Don't say Robert said don't pray. However you're praying, do it. I was doing it a different way not that long ago until Holy Spirit started to, to shape me into something else as I'm stewarding my heart and how do I hold the kingdom that's within me? How do I hold it before the world in such a way that it's released to gives him glory? And I finally had to come to the place of going, I don't think I've been doing this right. And I think my voice at times has been too loud telling other people what they ought to be doing and how they ought to be doing it. And I just, I just don't, I don't find that right now. So 
but I'm yielding to the development of the fruit of the Spirit, which is aligning me with the heaven-to-earth resources that are intended by Christ for each of us in the Spirit. So I find myself in a place of much deeper faith. I know it's mine. I also am finding that it's more exciting to open the gift than to put out the, red, the gift register. If that makes sense. Maybe my Heavenly Father, who is a good father, has far better gifts for me than I can pick on my register and say, these are the gifts that will make me happy. Galatians 5.1, Paul says, let me be clear. The anointed one has set us free, not partially, but completely and wonderfully free. I'm, in what I just said, I'm starting to enjoy the freedom that comes with not feeling like I have to be responsible to have the plan. Now that some of that's on me very personal and some of that's in things that I'm doing in life, but I am finding a, a, a great enjoyment in being free from the need to have it all worked out. And we probably don't like this word, but I'm just free of being in control. Yes, yes. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says this, fruit is always the miraculous, the created. It is never the result of willing, but always a growth. The fruit of the Spirit is a gift of God, and only He can produce it. They who bear it know as little about it as the tree knows about its fruit. They know only the power of him on whom their life depends. In that, in that, as good fruit right there, they only know the power of him whom their life depends. And I think, I, I, it's a, I think that's kind of what I'm going through in my own personal transition of learning to pray again. Um, that, you know, even where Jesus said, you know, some come and they, they, they're full of many words as if that's what makes God happy or makes God respond. But that's not, you know, he doesn't need all my paragraphs. He just needs me to come childlike and just take his hand and go, where, let's, let's just go. I don't know where we're going. I don't know how this looks. I don't know what the end of this is. But I know that I have your hand, and in the end, I'll have your hand. Experiencing the development of the fruit of, spirit, of the Spirit is not done by will, but it's done by yielding. I just yield. Fruit is developed in each of us when we are in a situation where we're tempted to react out of the shadows of our former life, but we yield and choose the present life of the Spirit instead. And even when I do yield to the shadow of my former life, it's still just a shadow. 
It's just a remnant of the person I once was. And that remnant has already died and all that's left is the shadow and it's passing away as well. Shadows get long when the sun's going down. Shadows get short and disappear as the sun is in full. So my shadows are getting a lot shorter than they used to be because the sun, S-O-N, is a lot fuller in me than he once was. Glory to his name. As we abide in the vine, Christ, we receive the, the life of the vine. We receive the life that the vine pr provides, which produces the fruit of the vine that the vine intends for each of us. I'm just supposed to abide. John 15. If, you, if, if I abide in the vine, the father who's the vine dresser is committed to taking care of the vine and the branches of the vine and knows how to prune the branches. But the life of the branch flows out of the life of the vine, which flows out of the life of the vine dresser. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me, John 15, 4. In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, Paul says, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. No matter how you want to pay paint it, somebody's already been there before. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Listen, the, the fruit of the Spirit is developed when we are in those places, those struggles, those temptations in life. That's where the fruit of the Spirit is developed. You know, and, and so it's not that, um, oh, you didn't hear that? I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll say that again. I appreciate feedback. <laughs> I thought that I was the only one having trouble with a machine today. We, we find ourselves in these places of temptation. We find ourselves in these places where all of a sudden I'm with an argumentative person or I'm with somebody that, that just cheated me or I'm, I'm dealing with this place of injustice or, you know, on and on it might go. I find myself in these places of temptation and in that my response initially and what is being worked in me, but my response can be I start to, to figure out how to deal with this through the shadow of who I once was. And so maybe in my former person, I was, I was one who was just given to anger. And so my outburst of uncontrollable anger was something I was known for. Well, I'm not that person anymore, I, but the shadow of that can still be present with me. And so now somebody just really ticked me off, and I'm ready to let them have it. Now, I can do that. I can yield to the shadow. But at the same time that the shadow has a voice, the Holy Spirit has a voice. And as the shadow is saying, let them have it, the Holy Spirit is saying, self-control is a better way. 
do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Then act accordingly. And so we adjust. And our adjustments, of course, are very imperfect in the beginning and become better as we practice. And sometimes we don't. Sometimes, you know, you just let the shadow have its way and, and then Holy Spirit's there at the end going, well, how did that work for you? And, and Holy Spirit will always come first thing in the morning after the, the evening of indulgence and knock on the door and go, so how are we feeling this morning? <laughs> We're going, all right. Eh, I don't look so good. I'm fine. So what happened last night? Oh, the shadow knows. <laughs> but even in those moments of correction, it is not the correction of an angry father. It is the correction of a loving father and his spirit that is determined to have us conform to the image of Christ because that's why Christ died. His death, his resurrection gives me life that I can live in that same resurrection and not succumb to the person I once was. Dan Kimball said, the fruit of the Spirit wasn't intended to be a list of goals for us to produce. It is the Holy Spirit through us who produces fruit. It's not a list, as I've already said, and it's not fruits. It is the fruit of the Spirit. All of this is being produced in us. It's God's good intention that all of this, all of this fruit is in our lives. Because that's what brings a peaceable life. That's what brings an abundant life. That's what brings me to a place that self-control finally, now that I'm actually able to walk in it, self-control now brings with it that all the other fruit. You know, as Joyce Myers has said, love and self-control are the bookends of the fruit of the spirit. Remove one and the rest of them fall over. Paul said, abide these three, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Love pulls with it faith and hope. It's not the greatest in that it's a hierarchical thing. Love brings with it everything else. Love, when the love is in the fruit of the spirit, if it's that bookend, love is pulling with it everything else as I'm being conformed to Christ. It's giving me the ability to give away everything else as I'm being conformed to the book or conformed to the image of Christ. And self-control is the other bookend because self-control is always keeping everything where it should be. Because it's not a list that we make goals out of. It is a fruit that is our life as Christ imagers.
You know, we love because he first loved us. As we become new creations, we learn to mirror the love that we are experiencing from Father God. Self-control is the bookend that aligns my heart with Father God. Self-control is the gift I give back to, to a good father. It's where I demonstrate back to him the work that he's been demonstrating to me. And so regardless of which of the fruit that is being developed in me, self-control will play a part in its maturation. It will always involve self-control, just like it will always involve love. So when we start to see that and we start to, to look at, at, at even at stewardship, if I'll just kind of land the plane here, that if they're at this place where I'm serving a good God. I'm learning to steward the kingdom that's been put within me. The kingdom isn't going to leave me. It's going to be in me. I am enveloped in Christ. That isn't going to change. I can have the worst day of my life and act as, I, could, I can act in such a way I'd put to shame the best heathen on the planet. The, fruit, the kingdom of God is still within me. The fruit of the Spirit is still being developed in me, and I am still enveloped in Christ. That hasn't changed just because my behavior has been horrible. So when we find ourselves in that spot, go clean up the mess your bad behavior made. Repent where you need to repent. Say you're sorry where you need to say you're sorry. Do whatever you do. Clean up the mess you just made. Put on clean clothes and go start again tomorrow to do better. That is self-control. I don't just crawl in a pile, throw the blankets over my head, and go, well, that's it, I quit. I'm just the worst person going. That's a shadow. You are a new creation. Get yourself out of bed, throw the covers off, take a shower, put on clean clothes, and get back at life. You were intended to live life to its fullest, and accepting anything less than that is to cut yourself short and to remove your ability to experience the fullness of the kingdom of God that's within you. That's God's good pleasure for you, that you experience it. Don't disqualify yourself because he has not disqualified you. <clears throat> so when I'm in, in uh, if I just bring this back and narrow it down, to, to just talk about finances for a few minutes. I find when I deal with people that struggle with your finances, lack of self-control is the biggest problem you have. Because I have a tendency to go get what I want without asking the questions of, is it the right time? Is this in the providence of God? You know, I, if I ask the right questions, then I don't make rash decisions that end up costing me and making things worse. And what I find is when in my finances, when I, when I align my heart and I align my finances so that I now see them as being part of that flow of heaven to earth, it, heaven is coming, his providence is at work within my finances, then even in the times where the dollars and cents don't quite make sense, or you know, the, the, the struggles that we all have at different times with our finances, when I'm able to 
adjust there and, and maintain the self-control that, no, I need to do what's the proper thing to do. So there's an order to how I'm handling my finances. There's an order to how I'm measuring income to output. How, how's that happening? And just because I want it or just because everybody else gets to buy it doesn't mean that it's my time. It doesn't mean that what it is that I want is, is necessarily not what God wants for me, but it's a matter of timing. It's a matter of resources. It's a matter of his providence. And what I've seen is every time I've pushed beyond his providence and just did it because it, I wanted it and, it and I thought it was important to have it, almost always that's been a bad mistake that cost Linda and I financially. But when I allowed myself to instead look at things and go, well, there's a time for this, but it's not now, and rest in that, not become offended at God because everybody else got one and I still got the old one. Well, the one you have is only six months old. Yeah, but everybody else's is new. Well, it's designed to actually operate for about 10 years. Why do I have to have the latest version if the previous version is just working fine? especially if I'm at a place where within my resources, I don't have the capacity at the moment to actually afford that. You know, so self-control plays a real vital point in how we handle our finances. When I'm sowing, do I, do I exercise self-control and go, wow, I could give this money here, I could sow into that, I could give it that offering, I could do all that, but I'm really saving up for this over here, so I'm not going to do that. Or do I look at it and go, no, part of the way stewardship in the kingdom works is the principle of sowing and reaping. So if, if I withhold sowing, but somehow think I'm going to abound in reaping, the only way you're really going to do that is work yourself to death. And at 45, when you have a heart attack at your grave, we'll all go, man, they work like a dog, but have a lot of good stuff. Or do I bring myself to this place of going, no, in sowing and reaping, God, the, the peace in life comes when I'm not the one trying to control my income and just making more money and I just work, work, work to only gain more. But instead I realize as I sow, there's a reaping that comes my way. Now, I'm, this is not the old thing that we've all heard of, if you need, you know, if you need ten thousand dollars, make sure you know you sow that much money, and then you'll get back a hundredfold blessing. I am not talking about that, but the principle of sowing and reaping is a is a real principle. And I know as many people that are not believers that benefit from the from the principle of sowing and reaping, probably in some cases more than people in the church, who should really understand this. So uh, this is a universal principle. Just, it's just the way God works, and we're all his creation. So it just, just rests in the principle. But if I'm able to, to know that there's a certain amount I, I want to sow, 
I'm not sowing it with the perspective that if I sow this much here, I get this much over here. What I do sow, though, is as I sow, I'm sowing into the providence of God that is already flowing down to the earth from heaven, and my sowing gets in somehow entwined in that providence. I can't explain that whole piece. But my sowing is involved in God's sowing. And as that happens, God's, uh, my reaping now is part of that providence that God is, is releasing on the earth. And my reaping is also part of his reaping. Because he's involved in it all. So when I sow over here, he's involved in that sowing. And when I reap over here, he's also involved in that reaping. He's involved in both as he's inviting me to set self-control over how I handle my finances. In my, in my view, after doing this for 50 years and doing it all different ways over 50 years, but in my view, I just want to be a consistent sower. And for the most part, I don't even think about the reaping piece of it. I just know it feels good to sow. I, I enjoy that piece of it. And I've been in stations in life where we've not been able to sow. And to be at a place where I actually can sow is a great joy to me. Because I still remember the days, and some of them aren't that far away, I still remember the days when my heart wanted to sow and my pocket said, there's a hole in it. And there wasn't anything to sow. I know God knew my heart in that time. I also know some of that involved my own bad stewardship of how we handled our finances. So there's a lot of things that came into play. But what I, but what I do know is to set your heart towards sowing, you will, you will reap. You will reap. And I also enjoy the fact that I, I sow in money, but oftentimes I reap back in other, more, uh, other ways that increase my wealth that isn't a dollar-for-dollar dollar exchange at all. I mean, it becomes people I meet, things that, that start to open up before me. There's a lot of other things that define our, our wealth biblically than how much money you have in the bank or how your 401K is doing. Those have a place in wealth. But wealth is much bigger than that biblically. Um, so, so anyway, the fruit of the spirit is where as I'm going to come back and talk a little bit more about money, maybe for another session. But at least for now, I feel it's just important for us to to see that the fruit of the spirit is at work all the time, and it's been a um, it's been a central belief of the church from Jesus to the present. And it's shaping the church. It's shaping what we do. It's shaping how we do it. Um, and I think the church is probably, at this point, we're, of course, every generation gets to say this, but, but we're at a place where our understanding is increasing beyond what previous generations have understood. They acted faithfully to the level of, of revelation they had. Now, we're expected to act faithfully to the level of revelation we have. Amen. 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 That's...
That's it. Yay, God. <laughs>